There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Welcome to the family with Tevin Pittman, Alex Rampernard Rasmussen, co-host and horrible mother, Catherine <laughs> Andy Rampernard. And Mike Bryant. <laughs> We're not, we might not let uh, Tevin stay because he's wearing a gopher, pardon me, a Viking gopher. logo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Might have you to gotta, go. you got to support him in the downtime. So. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, then or that's you just, just put it on and leave it. Just leave it. Live in it. Yeah. So wait a minute. You you wear that the downtimes for the Vikings? Yeah, so I've never taken this off. I was going to say, 60 <laughs> oh, years yeah. you've been wearing that? Yeah. Yeah. 60 years you've been wearing yeah. it. That's a good news. And he'll wear it 60 more. <laughs> we'll be right back. Special guest Sam Baltrus is coming up. The Curse of Lizzie Borden is a new paranormal shock documentary on Discovery+. Plus. Right back with Jesus Sam right after this. <laughs> Holy cow, these are loud. I don't know. Do an ad or Wow, they're loud. Not a fan. Wow. Can you like Sure. Michael Bryant. Bradshaw. Bryant. So I'm sitting out in the parking lot, waiting for the podcast to start, and I watched five different cars drive by, and all five of the drivers are doing exactly what Tevin's doing right now. Except they were driving a car. He's not driving a car. And just staring at their cell phone as they went around the corner. And they were going around the corner right there by, you know, by Continental Diamond. So you know, they don't know what's around the corner. And crazy. What? Why do they keep using their cell phones? It's nuts. It doesn't make any sense. What's Continental Diamond? What's that? It's across the street. That's where they sell diamonds. I'm sure you you know it. You guys never been too friendly to me. Oh, yeah. You've never done their ads. No, he just went out of his way to not be friendly either, Mm. so... Maybe he didn't. He didn't know. I said, "Don't you know?" <laughs> Have they ever done ads on KQ? I don't think so. Huh? I don't think so. Okay. That's just all up to <laughs> Doug, uh, Doug Sprinthal, and Michael Bryant, and Mike Bilski, and you know, th- <laughs> good solid citizens. Oh, so Bradshaw and Bryant. <laughs> <laughs> Tommy. How long have you been at KQ? 36 years now. Wow, that's loyalty. Well, if I'm completely honest, it isn't the company that I'm loyal to. It's the listeners. I figured out a long time ago they're the only reason I have a job. Why are you asking? Well, we had another great month at Coon Rapids Nissan and Burnsville Nissan. In fact, Burnsville continues to be the number one Nissan store in Minnesota. The loyalty part. Get to the loyalty part. Oh, yeah. This month, if you buy or lease a new Rogue or a Pathfinder from us, we'll give you an extra 500 off as long as you own or are leasing a Nissan. That is cool. 
Do they have to trade it? Nope. It's just a reward for being loyal. By the way, the new Pathfinder is fantastic. It's got a nine-speed transmission, and JLo says it'll practically pull the building. We also cut a deal with our good buddy Charlie Swenson, who's running a Nissan store in Chicago. He gave us some extra rogues. Because Charlie's such a nice guy. Well, Paul might have threatened him. Sounds like Paul. For details, go to Walzer Nissan or Coon Rapids Nissan and claim your loyalty gift. Tommy, give him some Elvis loyalty. Thank you. Thank you very much. And we are back with Stretch's Picks. Who's winning this thing? The Kitties, the Pack, the Bears, or the Purple? None of the above. Those are all the teams in the division. I know that. Well, who's your pick? I'm going with Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. What? It's not a football team. Sabre is one of the largest Bryant dealers in the state, which means you save. Yep, I'm going with Sabre, Sabre and Bryant, doing whatever it takes to keep you comfortable. Oh, uh, one more thing, Tom. What's that? Visit SabreHeating.com. We're rocking out, man. Okay, Lizzie Borden. Lizzie Borden and took an X, gave her mother, mother 40 wax. Yep. And then and when the she was she done, she gave, she, her, done, she gave her father, father 41. 41. Yep. What? Have you Lizzie never heard of Lizzie Borden? Lizzie Borden. Borden. Never never Borden. Her you never jumped wax. rope, apparently. And when <laughs> she was done, I never jumped rope either, but. <laughs> but <laughs> you know that rhyme. Yeah. So. Yeah. But yeah, we used to use that a lot as kids. I don't know yeah. why. That's a real rhyme. Yeah. That's yeah. a real rhyme. To be on the store. Sure. No, not she's dead. You don't know who she's Lizzie Borden is. No, she's long dead. No, no, years. Know who no, it's a, a Jay Z song. <laughs> but but her, house. her house is in Massachusetts someplace, I yeah, think. Yeah, I think so. is, yeah. yeah, I think I've been there. How old was she when she did that? Not uh, old. Yeah, was she, she was like a yeah, kid. I think. Was she that? I think she was I a kid. I thought she was a teen. I don't know. I think oh, she was wait. a teenager. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Lizzie Andrew kid. Borden was a American woman tried and acquitted. She, she was, was acquitted? acquitted? Yeah. What? Yeah. Oh, well. Yeah, so we're here. From Sam, I'll just tell you, Sam Beltrusis. How you doing, Sam? Hey, doing well. How are you? Now, Sam, let me ask you, how do you work with Dave Schrader? It's got to be just horrible on a daily basis, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, working with Dave, actually... He's actually one of the few people in the paranormal field that I trust. So he, um, <laughs> well, there you, know, you go. He, yeah, he, so he definitely is someone that I enjoy working with, and I'm able to go there because he's so knowledgeable about the paranormal. Well, he is a team of paranormal experts led by lead investigator Dave Schrader, a psychic medium Chris Fleming, EVP specialist Luann Jolly, and Borden family descendant. You're a descendant of the family. Yeah, yeah. So that's Sam. something. So I've actually I've written thirteen books. I'm a historian, uh, and it I never really looked into my 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 mother's backstory, like where my grandfather came from, and she actually found out that we're related to the Borden family not once but twice. Mm. So by being related to to the Borden family, it kind of made my life make sense because I've been actually writing about the Borden murders for years. Oh so my God. it kind of, it was a weird twist in my, in my family uh, lineage. Now we were just talking about, uh, we have a young man with us here, uh, Tevin Pittman. Mm -hmm. How old are you now, Tevin? Uh, 29. 29 years old, never heard of Lizzie Borden. No, not until you guys started singing the jump rope. Sam, how's that possible? <laughs> It's not the jump rope song. It's not a jump rope song. It's, it's a ditty. It's, it's, actually, Sam Beltrusis took an axe. No, that's not. I guess it wasn't Sam. Yeah, that's not right. It was his cousin. It was his cousin Lizzie that did it. Anyway, Sam. So you you not not once, but you you're related to Lizzie Borden two ways. But she, as Alex, our daughter, just pointed out, she was acquitted. Yeah. 
She, yeah, she was. Uh, so, so it was the trial of the century happened in 1892. Her stepmother and her father Andrew Borden were uh, found murdered, and it wasn't just a, a simple murder. It was actually an overkill. So, uh, she was brought into trial, and she was acquitted for for the murders of her family. However, she was never able to live down uh, the legacy that she was responsible for the murder. So it was kind of something that followed her for the rest of her life. She ends up taking the inheritance and buying a beautiful mansion actually right down the street and uh, it's called Maplecroft, the home. And people would taunt her and, you know, like, like throw rocks out her window. And uh, they actually said that rhyme, Lizzie Borden took an ax, gave her father 40 wax. And like that actually, that rhyme came up while she was still alive. So she would hear that while she was like, you know, in, in Fall River. Hmm. It was Fall River in Mass. Fall River, Massachusetts. So, how did she get acquitted? Did they come up with another alternative plan B, or what? How? What caused the acquittal? Well, I mean, if you really, if you look at her, she was a small framed woman. So the idea that a woman could commit this kind of crime, and you know, it was like eleven hits to her father and nineteen to uh, to, to the mother. So it was like an overkill. Um, so, but also too, like there was there was a lot of a lot of mysterious like mysterious pieces going on there too. So the, the only people that were supposedly in the house was Bridget Sullivan, the maid, uh, and you know, and really there was no blood evidence either. So she had this blue dress on that had one speck of blood on it. So there was like there were like there was a lot of reasons why it didn't make. She actually did commit the murders, but she was the only one in the house. <laughs> uh, you know, looking looking back on it, I would say that. Uh, John Morse, the uncle, should have been more of a prime suspect, but he had a really solid alibi to the point where it was almost like too good to be true. Hmm. So I think it has a lot to do with the fact that she was a woman and that the, a woman can, could not commit that the kind of crime in 1892, according to you know the general public. But if you look at the, the show that we did, The Curse of Lizzie Borden, it really goes into not really the whodunit part of it, but the, the sort of like there may be something more nefarious at play hmm. uh, or more sinister. And I, you know, I, I believe uh, if you look at our family lineage, I'm not only related to Lizzie Borden, I'm related to a lot of uh, either victims or perpetrators like Eileen Warnos, like Marilyn oh, Monroe. Sure. Yeah. Like, yeah, there's, there's a whole line that's connected not only to me, but also to Lizzie Borden as well. So I, it's almost that's the whole idea of the, of the family curse, where we look into the other murders that happened, not only you know to Lizzie Borden's family, but also to Sarah Maria Cornell and other people that were killed in the 1617 and 1800s. Huh. That is amazing because I'm related to a bunch of people who are just miserable failures. But other than that, <laughs> well, I would rather be related to miserable failures than, than acts murderer. Isn't there like a line of thought though, that it had something to do with the lead in their, in their, it, oh, that they were ingesting yeah. and that um, it added to their, the I don't know, defense. being demental. Yeah. You know, like that, I've heard all sorts of theories. I had that, you know, my, like my general idea with, with cousin Lizzie is that <laughs> she Lizzie. was, that she had, she definitely had a mental disorder. Like there was a disassociative disorder. She had a psychotic break of some sort. Because if you really look at her past, she was a Sunday school teacher. There was no mental instability uh, that that they could really trace back to her committing these kinds of crimes. The lead, the lead poisoning. I, I've heard. I'm also a, I specialize in the Salem witch trials as well. Hmm. Uh, and and we hear these kind of like the ergot theory that maybe the afflicted girls were taking ergot or. 
Uh, and I, I don't think that there's anything way to prove that. I, I just know that if you look at the facts, the facts kind of you, you the point that it's really not. I don't I don't know how she would would have been able to commit those murders mm-hmm. unless something else was going on. You know what amazes me, Sam, that just came up on the morning, because I do a morning show in town as well, but it just came up this morning, you know, the people's belief in this. and You know how that I grew up, I went to Catholic school for nine years, but until 1969 or 70, whenever the book came out, I don't remember, but I never even heard of exorcism, which is kind of weird. You would think that since it was a Catholic priest deal, until that movie came out, I never even heard of it. Did they try to cover a lot of this stuff up, or what, what's that all about? So when it comes to, so, so I'm, in addition to being a, clair, a, a historian, I'm also a clairvoyant. Right, so, right. Um, so I'm actually, I see dead people, that's kind of what I do in addition to it. So I actually channel on the curse of the Borden. I channel one of my relatives, Eliza Borden. Um, when it comes to exorcisms, I think people get confused with there's sort of, there's, uh, demonic possession, which I have not dealt with. I usually pass it on to either a priest or someone that specializes in that. I deal with, uh, you know, I, I've had an attachment myself, uh, and so it was, a, but it was a person. So it was a person that kind of took over, and they call it entity manipulation. So I think, like, the whole idea of an exorcism is, you know, specifically geared towards demonic infestation. Uh, in this situation, when I when we talk about Lizzie Borden, was it a demon? Possibly. I mean, it was something dark and negative, but it could have been a, 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 a right. human that took the shape of a negative entity. So there was the entity manipulation going on. But I mean, I, what what amazed me about that is to not. To, I mean, you grew up in a Catholic family for many generations. Go to a Catholic school for nine years. None of that ever came up. Uh, do people like to avoid these? Like, do people even? No, you could you can go into the old Borden residence, right? Isn't that like a showpiece now or something? Yeah, yeah, it was a bed and breakfast for, oh, for many okay. years. There, there's actually yeah, there was an, a, our new owners, and truthfully, uh, going into the house, like I was terrified to go into the house even before I knew I was related to Lizzie Borden. Um, I do think when you go in and you investigate a location over and over again, it's going to kind of stir the pot. Yeah. So what? The sinister entity that we encounter in the show, The Curse of Lizzie Borden, you know, was it something that was there in 1892, or was it something that was either you know like stirred up by other investigators or brought in by other investigators? I'm not sure. I just know that we combated darkness in this investigation, and you know, if if you guys are able to watch it, I mean, Dave, I've never seen Dave getting taken over as much as as intensely as he was during the seance that we had on the show. Huh. So you've never so. met Cassie because she takes him over completely. Oh, <laughs> uh, really? <laughs> so is, it, it, do you see a connection between the Salem Witch Trials and Lizzie Borden, or is it just your interest that you have those two? Well, that's a good, good question. So I, um, so I was a, a tour guide in Salem for 10 years, and I oh. wrote two books on Salem. Okay. So in addition, in addition to being related to Lizzie Borden, guess what? I'm related to the Putnam family, who were the major accusers during the Salem witch trials. So uh, when we were doing this show, we were trying to find a a family tie to the witch trials or the Putnams and to the Borden family. Uh, We couldn't find that blood connection, but that is something that I'm looking into. I think that there is something going on with the Salem witch trials. And what's interesting about that, too, 
the witch trials happened in 1692, and the murders happened in 1892. Right. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's a date later. issue, yeah. So, Sam, what's interesting, now... I don't hear it much anymore, but at one time I remember there was a group of people that insisted that the Borden murders were sexually motivated, that somebody, the father, was having sex with Lizzie or whatever the deal was. That, there was speculation. Is there any sign that that might have been part of it as well? Yeah, so a, a part, like as someone who is clairvoyant has, has interacted with the spirits in the house okay. multiple times, I definitely picked that there was sexual uh, assault going right. on. Uh, right. and if, you, if you even look at her relationship with her father, it didn't. It was something wasn't right about it. Uh, her her room and the in the murder house was literally right like one door away from her father's room, <sighs> and he had the key to the room. And and there, you know, picking up on like the idea and the we we were kind of working on the show was that there was a splinter personality that broke off from Lizzie that committed the murder. So almost like a, you know, like a, a, a fractured self that kind of implanted itself in the house. And I call it crazy Lizzie, but the crazy Lizzie was the one I think that, you know, broke like broke off or splinter from the original Lizzie during the sexual assault. So is there proof of it? No, but there definitely is anecdotal evidence that there was sexual yeah, I mean that you heard you heard that immediately from when I was a kid uh, reading about it because you 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 hear that it's like why would a little girl axe murder her parents? And then you start reading about it and you go, oh, that's why. Yeah, okay, sexual assault might do that to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it would probably get it done. There's no doubt about it. Now, what you you guys are going to have a séance from the bedroom of Lizzie Borden herself? Is that right? Well, yeah, we were. So, but yeah, it, it was in Lizzie Borden's bedroom that we did the, that's, that is where the splinter self was, has been oh, spotted. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so we, we did it, and I will say that the seance was life-changing. Um, it was basically combating evil, and that you can actually see the show on Discovery Plus, and hopefully on the Travel Channel coming up soon. Uh, but yeah, it, it definitely was a life-changing experience. It was me, Chris Fleming, uh, and Dave Schrader. Uh, you know, at the table with Luann Jolly as well, and you know, and I was there to work with Chris as a clairvoyant uh, to help the spirits communicate, and Chris was helping Dave throughout the seance. By the way, I'm a, today for the rest of the day. I'm going to refer to this as Ghost Tober Fourth. Ghost Tober. I want you to know that Ghost Tober Fourth. <laughs> well, it says kicking off Ghost Ghost Tober for the spooky season ahead on Discovery Plus. Exactly. <laughs> I love Discovery Plus. By the way, I think Discovery Plus is doing a hell of a job keeping their their programming very very interesting. I like I like Discovery Plus a lot. Yeah, I you know I, I was a little skeptical because I I really not a big streaming per platform person. But mm -hmm. once I started, uh, I mean all the shows that I've ever been on are actually on Discovery Plus. So it's actually great to have a show that I was on a show called Forbidden History, and that's that Yo, was on the sure. Science great Channel. Show. Yeah. It, yeah, and that's now that is now on Discovery Plus. So even if I was on a show on another network and it was under this Discovery umbrella, it's going to appear on Discovery Plus. So yeah, I love it. I love I love this, the programming. Hmm. So is it a problem getting people to cooperate with you if they don't, you know, believe a hundred percent in what you're doing? Is it kind of difficult to work with some people? I, you know, when I when I go into a situation so i you know gave tours for many years and a lot of times i really focus on the history for me a, you know, a ghost basically is, is history demanding to be remembered 
So I approach it as a history lesson first, and if people want to go into the paranormal aspects of it, uh, then that's fine too. If I say if I'm leading a ghost tour, then obviously we do talk about the ghost. But I really I've learned that by having sort of the historical background and being able to talk about the history first, that will kind of uh, people then will ask about the ghost, and then you start talking about the ghost lore. And then you, you know, so I, I, I really approach it. Uh, no, I know what I'm talking about, and so people are able to, like, if they, they're not interested in the ghost, then they, then they want to know about the history. Is it a, t- a difficult? Now, I would imagine the Lizzie Borden story would be different because that town, Fall River, want to talk about that because I'm sure they make some pretty decent dough off it in the in the season. But do you have a lot of communities, you know, whether at the city level, the county level, state level? Is it hard to get people to work with you in some areas? Yeah, I mean, Massachusetts, when I first started writing about the paranormal, um, was very tight-lipped about its ghost. And in fact, like, you know, when they would buy my first book, which which was Ghost of Boston, uh, I remember people, like, wanting to a brown paper bag like it was ghost porn or something. <laughs> and, like, like they, they don't want to be known that they're reading ghost stories. But I think because of uh, shows like The Holzer Files with Dave Strader and other shows, we really push the envelope forward when it comes to the acceptance of the paranormal. Uh, I do think, you know, you brought up the, the Catholic school. You know, I had that upbringing as well. Right. I think we're taught in, in church and taught, taught in, you know, it, it, with our families that ghosts aren't real and but I, I think that people have had experiences. Sure. So, uh, so what I what I've you know seen, I'm like I don't believe in ghosts. But this one time, blah blah blah, right. happened. There was a, a spirit sitting on the corner of my bed. So the, that's I would say 60, 70 percent. I mean, there's a large percentage of people who had that experience at one point in their life, and and so it's pretty easy to I guess win them over is not the right word, but just sort of like convince that I at least I believe that that spirits are real so there's definitely more of a pop culture acceptance of the paranormal and that's because of all those all, all the tv shows that you see on discovery plus so did you grow up in mass no so i grew up i actually grew up in florida and chicago uh, my parents divorced so i was chicago until i was seven and then i moved to florida and i went to college in the 90s okay. so the idea that i'm actually related to the borden family completely doesn't make sense i mean like i'm i'm from florida you know what like, you wouldn't think that I would be related to all these New England families, but I did know that my great grandfather was originally from Rhode Island. So, oh, okay. uh, that, so it kind of it it all ties to him. But no, I so I moved in the '90s. I uh, lived here on and off since the since 90, 1990, and I lived in New York City for about ten years as well. Where in Rhode Island was he from? Uh, so Portsmouth, Rhode yep. Island, mm-hmm. and. My, and to kind of give you an idea, my mother is um, is Southern, so she's on the, the Panhandle, of Florida, and she was like, "Sam, our family's from Portsmouth," and mm-hmm. I'm like, "Mom, it's Portsmouth, not Portsmouth." And she's like, "It's Portsmouth." <laughs> I'm like, "It's Portsmouth, Mom." Mm-hmm. But but yeah, so long yeah, so it's from Rhode Island and also from Newport as well. Okay. I find that, well, first of all, Florida, that entire state, man, you can find some people talking ghosts down in that state all the way from Key West up to exactly where you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, Pensacola is actually where my my mother is from. Right. And uh, and, and, and my dad was in the Navy, so uh, so that's where they met. And so we we basically, uh, you know, I, I grew up with history. I love the love of history. We you know, mm-hmm. had a lot of, Pensacola, like a whole part of Florida, uh, St. Augustine is considered the, like, the oldest settlement in the country, 
uh, in the in the 1500s. But Pensacola actually had a settlement before that was that was blown away by a hurricane. Oh, I didn't know so, that. Yeah, so there is a there's you know we I now that I'm in Massachusetts, I focus focus of course on the on the Pilgrims in Plymouth. And what uh, something to point out, I'm actually reporting from Provincetown, Massachusetts, okay. uh, which is where the where the Pilgrims first landed before heading to Plymouth. So I'm actually right by the spot where the Pilgrims first landed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's got to be kind of interesting. I, I would imagine just uh, exploring that area has got to be pretty much a thrill, isn't it? It, it really is. When, when you so say go to Salem or you, you go to even Provincetown, and you go to the location where the pilgrims first landed. You're kind of you 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 absorb the history. And as someone that's sensitive to the paranormal, you sometimes pick up on the ghosts as well. You know, it's interesting. I mean, you, you brought this up earlier, and I've been thinking about it for a couple of minutes now. That, and I have nothing against anyone. If, if anyone has a deep faith in you know in Christianity or you know Catholicism or Judaism or you know if they're Muslim, whatever, I, it, it's fine. I, I don't, you, know, you believe what you want to believe and all the rest of it. But you, you bring up what you do to those people and they go, oh, that's not true. So it's okay for them to believe in something they can't prove, but it's not okay for you to believe in something they can't prove. I, I don't really understand that thinking at all. Do you have, is that a problem sometimes? You know, it really isn't. I, like, I, like I mentioned before, yeah, it really. It, I, I tend to speak my truth and what I I experienced, and and I think that people see that. Like I'm not trying to, you know, you know, you mentioned before about like Fall River embracing, you know, Lizzie Borden, and it, it, it really like people think that, that there's like this money to be made from this, and there really isn't. For me, it's it's basically it's selling books, and that's not a lot of money. So why would I be doing this? Why would I be going on the record talking about right. about a ghost experiences with ghosts? Because I think that I think that they that they exist and they have stories to be told. I do know from my experience with the with the paranormal, it, you know, a ghost they they want their story to be told and to be told correctly. Uh, and that once that happens, then then they sometimes cross over. So like for me, my mission or my purpose is to tell their stories. And, and and that that's you see that a lot with with the marginalized communities like women, people of color, uh, who have not had a voice historically. But you know, as an author, I try to focus on on those people in my books, the ones that don't get the the, the acknowledgement that they that they deserve. I just I wrote a book called The Ghost of the American Revolution, which is coming out uh, November first. And that book focuses not on the the big names like George Washington and Ben Franklin, but the others like, like Mary Mary Washington, George Washington's mother, like yeah, Martha was the wife, mm-hmm. and, and, and she's in the book too. But I really focus on Mary, on Mary Washington, and like Peter Salem, who was the African American who fought during the American Re- Revolution. So people that normally don't get the spotlight. No, I get so, we, we have a, we have a young black man in the studio right now. Tevin, did you, did your, your family, your friends, did you ever discuss these things from a black perspective? No, ghosts. You didn't talk about it. No, you're too no, afraid. I mean, like, you're scared. Anytime, like, any like ghosts, like, especially if it's like movies and the stereotypical, like, it's always a white family that gets caught up in. Because I'm moved out the exactly. house before any paranormal activity thing comes and gets me. You just move. Oh, gone. 
I don't even pack my stuff up. <laughs> Who was the one that had the stuff? great? One of the greatest comments I read. I can't remember, but I I will remember eventually. Mm-hmm. They asked a young black man about this on one of the talk shows. I don't remember what it was. He said, "You have to understand something, man. White people are afraid of like you know a death in the family. They're afraid they're going to lose their job. Where my people." We're afraid of dogs and ghosts. Yeah, like, <laughs> it's always like, like oh, like there was a because who I think it was the Wayne's brothers did like a scary that, movie. It might have been one of the Wayne's spoof, brothers. and they were like, oh yeah, if you made a scary movie with like a black family, it'd be about a five minute movie. Because the second <laughs> the second something goes bump in the night, gone. We're just all packed up, and now your movie's over. Richard Pryor had yeah. one of the greatest of all time. There have never been a possession of a black family because you go hello. Goodbye. <laughs> exactly. That's because they're smart. Exactly. Why would you hang around? I know. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, I say just go. Investigate. You know, this pans no, out. No, no, no. No. I think, Sam, is it an extension of a belief in, in higher powers and all that? Is this who battles higher powers? You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I, I do. Like, I think in the show, The Curse of Lizzie Borden, like, that's what was going on. It was good versus bad. I think that there's been a lot of darkness this past year and a half with the COVID crisis. Yeah. And I think that, that when it comes to, I, you know, I do think, I consider myself a light worker, so I work in the light. And uh, so the light workers are basically dealing with a darkness that's sort of prevalent throughout. So I do, so someone like Chris Fleming, who has a background in sort of like angels and demons, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like he deals with the light and dark, you know, combating darkness. But I do think that there's a battle going, a spiritual battle going on right now. Uh, and I see it as a clairvoyant. Huh. Ladies and gentlemen, we're talking about the, the Curse of Lizzie Borden, a new paranormal shock documentary on Discovery Plus. Sam Baltrus is with us. Dave Schrader. I wouldn't let him get involved with it if I were you, <laughs> Sam. It's just me. You know what I'm saying. But Yeah, well, uh, I, you know, when, when they said, so I'll, you know, I've, I've been friends with Dave, um, you know, I was on a show, and when they said he was going to be on the show, I'm like, I'm like, really? Like, Dave Schrader's going to be on the show? Yeah. But when he, when he was there, it all made sense. Like, I think the people that were called to be part of the cast were almost called by the spirit realm. And uh, so when he was there, and also, like, I was, I've been on the show many times. And every time we, I get on a show, like, the topic could be about, you know, Provincetown or could be about anything else. Always ended up on Lizzie Borden. So I felt like we had kind of like a foreshadowing thing going on, you know, like, for years. Yeah. And I, and I, I do know, like, when we were in, in the house investigating and we were doing the seance, it all made sense. It all made sense that he was supposed to be there with me, uh, with Chris Fleming, to, to do what we did. <laughs> Sam, I look forward to watching it. I look forward to talking to you again. Say, uh, you're going to talk to Dave? Matter of fact, I'll probably talk to him. I was going to say, say hello to Dave for me, but I'll probably call him later anyway. Just yeah, to- yeah so tell, him, tell him I said hello. I, have, I, I talked to him yesterday, so he's, he's doing well. I'll get it done. Sam, thanks so much for your time today. It was great talking to you, sir. All right. Thank you so much, guys. Have a good day. You too. Sam Baltrusis, ladies and gentlemen, the curse of Lizzie Borden. We'll take a very quick break and be right back for a shorter little second half to this hour, right up to this. Hello, I'm Brad Huckle, President and Chief Lending Officer at North American Banking Company. And I'm Mike Bilski, CEO at North American Banking Company, Bradley's partner. As a locally owned and operated community bank, we work with a lot of multi-generational, family-owned businesses. Take Raymond Auto Body of St. Paul, for example. Four generations of the Slomkowski family having successfully run the business. When they were ready to expand, we helped them acquire a new building, allowing them to service more vehicles in their state-of-the-art shop. 
We've also helped them set up the next generation of owners, keeping the business and family for years to come. Tom here. If you want a family business like me or any business, you should be banking with Brad and Mike over at North American Banking Company. I know them and trust them with my banking. Every time I deal with them or their team, I know I'm working with experienced professional bankers. Sounds like we really won you over, Tommy. Well, let's not get crazy, Brad. Seriously. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience member, FDIC, and equal housing lender. As you know, my friend Mike Lindell has a passion to help everyone get the best sleep of your life. He didn't stop by simply creating the best pillow. Mike created the new Giza Dream bed sheets. They look and feel great, which means an even better night's sleep for me, which is crucial for my busy schedule. Mike found the world's best cotton called Giza. It's ultra soft and breathable, but extremely durable. Mike's Giza sheets come with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. The first night you sleep on the Giza sheets, you will never want to sleep on anything else. Giza Dream sheets come in a variety of sizes and colors. Mike's making a special offer for my listeners. You buy one set, get another set absolutely free. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square, and use promo code TOM. There you'll find not only this amazing offer, but also deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the MyPillow mattress topper, MyPillow towel sets, and so much more. Call 1-800-516-5146. Use the promo code TOM. Go to MyPillow.com. Make sure you use the promo code TOM. All right, so we got 14 here, Andy. All right, then. Works for me. Uh, I just went in the other room to check on a couple of things. While I'm in the other room, I hear my wife saying, you know, Tom's possessed. He's I heard that. Ben possessed. Ben. Oh, I've been no longer possessed. There's been a few times. What was that other thing when you're not really – what did he – he said fugue state? No, he said that you, you get taken over by an entity called it's – not, it's not a spirit – you get taken over, over by another person. Didn't you hear that oh, interview? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what did he call it? Yeah. Didn't you hear that interview? <laughs> I've, been reading, good, yeah. I've been reading about Lizzie Borden the entire time that he was on here because I'm like, I need to know everything. Yeah, the, the thing that I, I heard that drove the whole thing and the possession and all that stuff, apparently it was a pretty hideous sexual assault situation. Well, you know, that totally kind of, to me... That is a great defense if you've been yeah. abused for years and years yeah. and you just and you finally yeah. just lose it. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's not I right agree. to, you know, stab your parents to right. death, but, but if they deserve it. Give Lizzie a pass. Yeah. yeah. Well, she Probably it was dead, her though. stepmother, not her birth yeah. mother, that oh. she killed. Her. Oh, I thought it was her, her mother, stepfather. No, it was her stepmother. Because her step mother had died. Before her dad killed her too, and then uh. and then he got remarried, and then she killed the stepmother first, and then the father. Oh, okay. Also, I would like <laughs> you're to talking just... as if she did it. She was acquitted. Uh, <laughs> She's what, I, what, I, what I mean, if, if she actually did it, no matter what the reason is, do you act I'm in courts? It's like you still get in trouble because you did right. it. No matter what the reason is, right? Yeah. Usually, I mean, no, no, yeah, well, it's eighteen ninety-two. This happened. Yeah, yeah. 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 you yeah. can get what's called. Oh, they were pretty mean back then. You're right. I was gonna say I didn't yeah. know they acquitted people back yeah. then. And, and also, you, just you can get the jury nullification. Right yeah. You know where jurors you, will people. come up, and <laughs> it's outside the law, but they decide. Eh, That's you very know, rare. Though. It happens. Well, it it 
it happens. You well, know, and don't you get on cases? You get charged differently if, like, like if she had been in a like fugue state when she murdered them, mm-hmm. he, she would have been charged differently because the whole court, you'd probably have different evidence. Yeah, I don't know. Is, is yeah. fugue state a defense? Well, like yeah, mental health, like yeah, mm-hmm. psych- okay. like people but, claim psychosis all the right. time when they are charged yeah. with murder. Yeah. And, they just put it. I mean, not that a couple of years ago, this the, what the Slenderman. They put the oh, yeah, 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 yeah. gal in oh, jail. Yeah, or two of them in jail in Wisconsin, and now one of them just they last week out, yeah. uh, brought a motion to see if they can get out. Yeah. And so, you know, that, that happens, you know. So yeah. you can, but usually, but if it's a mental state issue, then they put you in the, they put you in. And there's two ways they can put you in. They can put you in under the idea that you stay there until you get better enough to where we can charge you, or you get completely better, or they decide that you're mentally incapacitated to do what you did. Then when you're completely better, you just get released and you're free. That's it. Hmm. So well, she, from what I'm reading, it very much seems like she did it. Well, it depends on who wrote that, too. But, you know. Yeah, that's true. Because it was like she was found burning a dress that she, the next day that she said was covered in paint. Okay. You know uh, she bought prussic acid, prussic hydrogen cyanide. And it was sounds bad. Well, that was that's what they made candy out of back then. So mm, I mean, she was making what? candy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it was she bought it for cleaning a seal skin cloak, and well, you know, you do need that. For seal the, day, the day before <laughs> she the, the murders Poor happened, seal. and the judge ruled that the incident was too remote in time to have any connection. What happened the happened day before? The day before. Yeah. She well, was also seen sharpening her axe. Yeah. Yeah. Blades. Maybe like the whole community knew that this was going on and just yeah. said, you know well, what? Her Can we brother, yeah. <laughs> yeah, her brother was known for uh, killing pigeons with a hatchet. Well, the brother oh. probably did it. Well, the brother That's, probably did it. And she but the brother wasn't up. there. He was out on a walk. Oh, yeah, sure. okay. me too. Yeah. Out on but there were a lot of people that lived in the house. <laughs> it was were, like yeah. her, her brother, her uncle was there. They had a maid and her stepmom and her dad. Hmm. Everybody was there. And then, yeah, it's but it's very interesting. You know, the first time I ever heard about the Lizzie Borden murder, I was seven years old. You know why I heard about the, the Lizzie Borden murder when I was seven? Because you were jumping rope. Yep. Nope. Doing nope. double dutch. Nope. <laughs> My grandma Minnie told me about it. You know why she told me about it? As a warning to you? Right. No, nope. she said, Tommy, when I was your age, Lizzie Borden murdered her parents. She was seven years old when, when they were murdered. She was seven? See, I, I was wondering if you talked to Sid about it when you were talking uh, about You were giving you were giving testimony like as if you talked to somebody who'd been there. Right. And, and well, I'm like, right. so was that Sid? That's why I was laughing at those questions. Well, Sid was not but born until nineteen twenty. It was Minnie. Well, okay. that's Lizzie was Minnie. Yes. Oh, August wow. 4th, 1892. Lizzie was 32 when these murders happened. Oh, she was. Oh, she was. Yeah. She was yeah. a kid. I really thought that they thought this, like, eight-year-old. Yeah, no. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, not she that long. She was born oh, in no. 19, 1860. Yes. Was there and another little child that and they happened in... Yeah, this changed everything. She definitely did it. 92. Because <laughs> yeah. she's her age? She was yeah. my age! 
She was born the same Uh-oh. the year that the Civil War started. 1860. Well, okay, the fact that you're not staying over anymore. The fact that she got acquitted because she was a small woman, and how could she? Yeah. Do? I'm like, yeah. um, excuse me, feminism says <laughs> she, like, I could, I could, I could, I could kill, I could ask somebody to death if I felt so, like it. Next person you ask, you'll be like screaming about it. See, <laughs> told, told you. Well, well, you did really want to throw the axes at that place. She oh wanted my God, to do I the axe throwing. That's a great. Have you never done that? Would, that's, no. fun, that's really fun to do. We did hammer schlagen Where? instead. Uh, d- uh, there's have, a bar like, there's in Waconia? Waconia. There's one in St. Cloud. The Ultimate now really? has, has axe throwing. There's one yeah. in Northeast Minneapolis. Yeah, you yeah. just Alcohol and axe throwing. What could go wrong? Yeah, Northeast really. Minneapolis has axe throwing yeah. while you're it's drinking like alcohol. Th- it's like yeah. the throwing axe yeah. company or something. Oh, yeah. 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 I don't know if that's a good I idea. I did it in Wichita is where I did it. How do you keep people from doing something stupid? They have. You have to have somebody there to watch and they prevent that from happening. Does it make me feel better? Well, <laughs> Wait, no, watching. Well, you can go pay to shoot they have, guns. That's right, yeah. like very open. Uh, I know, and I thought that was weird when we went to a oh my range, God, and I was I like, they just gave me a gun. I know, and, and I it could was just like, like an, be weird with this. Yeah, it was an open area where we were all just like standing next to everyone else with their okay, guns. Okay, if you go to Wisconsin, it's, like, it's literally just like a field. They put like hay bales on the end. Like, oh, we're going to shoot. They do that down on Briar Lake, too. I know, it's like you're trusting that nobody's going to go psycho at that moment. There's a place in Bloomington. Happens on the road every day. That's part of yeah. life. Yeah, you know? <laughs> that's true. <laughs> it's the way it is. I guess. You know, I drove past an archery thing mm-hmm. a few days ago, and it's just like hay bales and, and a field. Yeah, they have that at Theater Worth Parkway. Yeah. Theater Worth. And yeah, the always, they still do yeah. every single yeah. yeah. fall. Oh, that's right. They shoot. They still shoot arrows there. They have one in yep. Edina on Franz Avenue too. It's amazing. They it's have weird that in seeing the city. them right off. Yeah, like right yeah. off of the street. Yeah, you're driving. You're like, just a guy with a bow arrow. They're driving giant cars next to you. It's the oh, same no, I know, thing. Oh, no, I know, but it's like, because growing up in the country, like, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, like, yeah, there's like, like a gun club. And it's like, yeah, it's in the woods, yeah. kind of yeah. hidden. But like here, it's like there's no place to hide it. So no, like, outside. Right off the right. street, yeah. yeah. So Weird. the question of the day, did the kids run a mile yesterday? They did. The both of them well, did. Ran a mile. Well, Sage, Sage started out being carried, let's I be had fair. to carry Sage <laughs> across the start line. And then all of a sudden, like... <clears throat> A hundred feet from the start line, he just wriggled out and just sprinted the rest so, of the way. A hundred feet out of the mile, he was carried. No, it probably wasn't even a hundred feet. Fifty feet, maybe. I never saw him. Okay. Being. I Most of the way, Put he down. sprinted it, like full on, like arms. Uh, wait. I- was carried or he did it he most, ran of the mile. most of the mile? He ran most of the mile. Oh, yes. Cool. At first he didn't want to because I think he's he's really sensitive to loud noises. Mm-hmm. And there was well, like, he got the kids up at 6 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> my, race, my race started at 7.15, no. so I did my race. They and you watched did 10 me. miles? I did 6.2. Oh, you did 6.2. Okay. <laughs> was the longest 10 or was there a longer one than 10? The 10 is on Sunday. I've oh. done that one before, too. I thought yours was Sunday. No, I did Saturday. Mine oh, was a 10K. Okay. okay. Mine was a 10K, and then there's a 10-mile on Sunday as well as the marathon. Okay. And all the, the 5K, the 10K, and all the family events are always Wait, on how Saturday. Many, how far is 10K? Six, 10K, 6.2 6. 6. miles. Okay. Yeah. Why don't call it six miles? Like, it's better to say 10K. Yeah. yeah. 10K. Sounds, sounds farther. Right, it yeah. does. It does sound far. It's ran 10,000. If someone came up to you and said, would you want to run 10K or 10 miles, which one would you choose? Just off the top of your head. You'd probably go with the 10, 10 miles. miles yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And then you'd find out you're almost doing yeah. double. Yeah. I've got to ask you a question, Alex. Yes, sir. Why do your children love to sit on my lap now? They never used to, but now they love to. There's more space. 
Ah, oh, okay. you might what? be right there. Yeah. You have a laugh now. Made a fat joke. No, no, <laughs> no it's, it's a saying less, there's it's more space. A, yeah, it's, it's less it's, of a fat joke. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Oh, oh, it's less of a fat joke. No, he's a fat joke. No, it's less. It's less of a fat joke. It's a skinny joke. It's a skinny joke. More space. It's so sweet. They come over and sit on my lap. Like Sagey yesterday at the birthday party, sat on my lap for about an hour. Just schmoozing. He, he turned around eating popcorn. Eating popcorn. What oh, yeah. was that green popcorn? Oh, he loved the green. It was, uh, apple. Apple. It was my okay. My uh, father's McFlurry popcorn. My father's McFlurry. birthday. His 95th birthday is on Friday, sure, but we had his shake. birthday party on Sunday because that worked mm-hmm. out better for everybody. Mm-hmm. And apparently, well, up at the cabin in Park Rapids, yeah. there is some sort of popcorn shop. Uh, mm-hmm. Which sells when this green popcorn with all kinds of apple different flavors, flavors. Yeah. and that was Grandpa's favorite, so they bought him that for oh. his birthday. And then Sage ate all the green popcorn, so Sage Don didn't get it. It's a, it's a popcorn ice cream shop, isn't it? And people yeah. ride their bikes there. Yep, yep, yep. It's the big event. You ride mm-hmm. your bike to the pi- ice yep. cream. Whenever I hear about stores in the middle of nowhere, that like this some super specialty store that sells this bizarre popcorn. I always expect to go in there and buy my popcorn and then leave and then turn around and the shop isn't there anymore. <laughs> it just disappears. It's like, wait a minute. Yes, Where does this popcorn come from? seen out of Doctor Who. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's so great about days like yesterday. It just, everything ran very smoothly. Nobody was a pain in the ass. The young Muslim woman who worked there could not have been sweeter. She went out of her way to help her. Everybody just got along really well. Could we just do that in the real world? What about that? No, That'd be good. Absolutely not. I gave the staff cupcakes, so that. Oh, that was all about you. Bite the wasn't on. I'm fully expecting a harshly worded letter from my dad's building because no yeah. one was wearing no masks. one was wearing a mask outside. Except for me, when you were the only one. Yeah, when you had to hide behind it. <laughs> well, even my brother Daryl, who was supposed to be wearing a mask because he just got done with chemotherapy, he kept on pulling his down i'm like people <laughs> oh that was like at the race they they sent this whole email it was just like you have to wear a mask until you cross the start line and then you can take it off and once you cross the finish line you have to put your mask back on and so everybody wore their masks for like maybe a minute yeah. and then they crossed the start line and took it off and then the finish line we all put our masks back on but then we were like huffing and puffing because yeah. we just yeah. ran right. 6.2 mm-hmm. miles yeah. and we couldn't breathe and so then we took our masks off and there was not a single person that was like put your mask back on no, so no exactly. one was wearing you're masks. outside right yeah, yeah. i feel yeah. if you're outside well, is you there, has there been a lot of spreading of covid in outdoor, outdoor events i haven't heard of any well it's almost all like it's like the flu where but that could it be in the bars. It doesn't really spread outside. Potentially, yeah. That could be in the bars. I mean, All I know maybe. is, like, in the height of the pandemic, like, I was on the 35W bridge with... Eight billion oh, people. Eight thousand yeah. people. Yeah. And Nobody I didn't hear about any COVID. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Outbreak. So I think we're, if yeah. you're outside, you're all right. Yeah. 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 I'm not yeah, a doctor. probably true. The guy at the garage sale said that his neighbor or whatever got it outside. Remember? How does how do they know? He yelled right. at all of us for not wearing. It. He was said he was like, "There's too many people gathered outside." Really, really. Just the guy having the garage seven, sale? No, we. Oh, I was my gonna say. neighborhood had a garage <laughs> sale. Oh, I, I, I thought I thought the guy at the garage sale wanted yeah. people coming by would then right. yell at people for showing up. No, so everybody right. okay. was in their own driveway. Oh, but this is this is that house. guy though, is it? Yeah. Oh well, then yeah. that guy. Everybody just... was in their own driveways <laughs> at their house, and the guy was like, "There's too many people crowded around outside," and it's like there's seven of us and we're all in separate driveways. Well, he was a little 
He was weird. He yeah. was that. Well, it's like I, I DJed a wedding this weekend, and it was like a country wedding out of somebody's house. And so this one of the groomsmen's like giving people hugs, and he gets to this like older guy, and he's like, "Don't hug me." He's yeah. Like, he's, like, I like he's, like, he's like, I don't have the vaccine, and I just don't want to be hugged by you. I was, like, I was like, "Yes, thank you, thank don't you, sir, for being." Me. Well, if anyone should worry, it's the very old. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Or the very ill. And the very nope. overweight. It's like, I'm not taking any chances. <laughs> All right, we gotta, we got to oh. take a break here. we got the second. Oh, my God, it's the great Kostaki coming up. Mm. Did you hear about that Sounds one? Sounds like a magician. The great Kostaki? <laughs> Joe, Joe from Louisville. Saw him, yeah. Joe from Louisville saw him. Uh, he appeared down there over the weekend. Oh, right. And there's a picture of the two of them together. Finally. I got to take a picture with the great Kostaki. Oh, oh my God. Hear about the it. ego is going to be out of control. Typical. We'll take a break. Be right back in a couple minutes with Kostaki Economopolis.